we pray. Father, you are great. You are our God. Though others might think differently, Father, we are here today because we believe you to be the one and only God Almighty. Father, we pray for those who worship and serve other gods, that they might come to realize that you alone, you alone are the God who gave his one and only Son, that we might have eternal life. Lord, today we have come to worship you. Father, we pray now that you would be with us as we continue in worship. Father, that whatever difficulties we might have brought in here today, that we lift them up to you and we ask that you would be at work in the needs that we have and in the needs of those around us. And Father, we praise you for being who you are, knowing that you're a God who loves and a God who works. And we thank you for where you're at work. Father, we ask now that you would speak to us through your word. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to worship this morning. Glad that you're here. And I'm going to ask if they'll bring up the house lights a little bit. I like to look at you and see you uh, when I get the opportunity to preach. Brother Kevin and his family are away this weekend visiting Jessica's uh, parents and celebrating a birthday and so you remember them as they'll be traveling back uh, to, uh, to be with us. Today we're going to continue in our series, No Other Gods. And we've been looking at those things that uh, people put in the place of God and worship in place of God Almighty. And you'll know that the background, remember that the background for our study comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 where God's speaking to the people of Israel as they begin to go into the promised land. And he shares words with them. Let me remind you of some of those words, Deuteronomy 6, verses 13 through 15. Fear the Lord your God and serve him only. Take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God. Today as we look at uh, other gods, we want to look at the God of success by looking at a parable that Jesus taught about a rich fool. Now, often we call it the American dream, the idea that no matter who you are or where you come from, what your background is or how poor you might be, that in the United States of America you can be successful. In fact, there's one TV show that's become a success itself just from that very idea, the show Shark Tank, where those who've been successful listen to other entrepreneurs and see their success or what they believe could be success and invest in who they are. But what is success? Success is the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose. It's the attainment of wealth, a position of honor, of fame, and things such as that. But success is different from, for each individual. Success for you would be somewhat different than it would be for me or for those sitting next to you this morning. Now the idea of success does not start with the United States of America, and it did not become an idol here first, because success was an idol in the day of Jesus. 
As we talk about idols and as we think about idols, we need to understand that idols are not things that we pursue just instead of God. Sometimes they are things that we can pursue ahead of God. Oh, we don't want to forget God. We don't want to stop worshiping Him. We simply move Him aside. And we spend time worshiping other things as well. And often we don't serve Him because we're too busy with the other things that we're trying to serve. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with success. Many successful people have faithfully served God. And we need to realize and remember that God allows and even causes some people to be successful. And for many, the idol is not past success. It's not success maybe that they've already achieved. For many, the idol may be the pursuit of success. That they put in place of God their desire, their wanting, their attaining future success. So if you have your Bible with you today, turn with me to Luke chapter 12. We're going to be looking here in just a moment at this parable. And as you're turning, I want to uh, share with you the background of this passage of Scripture. It'll be on the screen as well. As Jesus was teaching his disciples, Scripture tells us that there was a large crowd of uh, around him on this day. In fact, it says that there were thousands of people around him that day, so many that they began trampling on each other. So you can imagine the scene with me, Jesus and his disciples. Jesus may be sitting down and teaching them, and people find out that Jesus is in the community. And so one after one, groups after groups, they continue to come and to hear what Jesus has to say until there is a large crowd surrounding him and his disciples. And as Jesus is teaching his disciples, in this passage of scripture, a man comes up to him and interrupts what Jesus is doing and asks him a question. He asks him to settle a dispute between him and his brother. You see, they're having a dispute over an inheritance. And so he asks Jesus, who he sees as a rabbi, to settle this dispute. It was common in that day that people with disputes would often go out to rabbis, to teachers, and ask them to help settle their disputes. So if you would, follow along with me as we read Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me to judge or an arbiter between you. Then he said to them, his disciples, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. 
But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. I've entitled today's message, The Successful Fool. Because although we see in this parable he was very successful, God calls him a fool. So I'd like for us to look this morning at some things that this successful man did that made him foolish. First of all, this man was foolish because he did not seek the advice of others. This man had a dilemma. He had a, a decision that he had to make. He was in a difficult situation. His harvest was great, and he did not have enough room to store his harvest. And we know that he wasn't an unintelligent man. He was a rich man. So he had already been able to use his mental ability and his, his savvy to grow crops, to produce a harvest, and to become very wealthy already. He'd been a good businessman in his sowing and in his reaping and in his selling of his crops. And he asked a good question. It's a good question that he asked that day. What shall I do? He had a dilemma. What was he going to do? So the problem wasn't in his question. The problem was in the fact that he asked nobody but himself. He did not ask any of his friends to give him advice or to help him think through his difficulty. He did not go to any of his business associates, those who had bought grain from him or others. He did not go to any of them and seek advice from them. And we see that he certainly did not seek the advice of God. He only asked himself, what shall I do? And we know that scripture says in many places that it's important for us to seek the advice or counsel of other people. And I want to just share two of those with you. One is in Proverbs 15:22, where scripture says, plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. And in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you shall ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We see that foolish people don't seek advice, but wise people do. The second thing that we can see about this man, he was foolish because he thought that his success came at his hands alone. You'll notice how many times as I read that the word I, me, and mine was used. In fact, in the original Greek language in this short parable, there are only 46 words. And 12 of those 46 words are the rich man referring to himself. 12 out of 46. So he wasn't thinking about anybody else. He thought that uh, the ability came from him. He acknowledged no one else with his great success of a harvest. There was no mention made of those who worked in his fields. There was no mention of those who had planted, who had harvested, who had overseen the crops. And certainly there's no mention of God in his success. This man did not provide the rain that watered his crop. 
God did. This man did not provide the sun that caused his crops to grow. God did. And though this man were the owner of the soil, he did not create the soil. God created the soil. He thought his success was all because of his work. He didn't realize that God had blessed him by blessing his crop. Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, 45, in the Sermon on the Mount, as he was talking about our love for enemies and how we should love those who hate us, he said these words in verses 43 through 45. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father in heaven. And what he means by that is that we may be like our Father in heaven. And he goes on to say, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Friend or enemy, God had blessed this man greatly, even though he thought that all of the work was done by him himself. The next thing that we can see about this man is that he was foolish in that he failed to share any of his success. This man was selfish. Never did he consider helping others with what he had. He did not think about the widows and the orphans. He did not think about those who were sick or otherwise unable to take care of themselves. And what about those who were trying desperately to make it through life on their own, but somehow just couldn't come up with enough food to make it through the winter? He didn't even think about them. There's a story told about two friends who decided to go to dinner together at a restaurant. Each one of them had decided that they were going to have fish, and they ordered fish. And after a few minutes, the waiter came back and brought their fish to them. Two pieces of fish, one large piece and one medium-sized piece, on the same platter. Well, one of the men proceeded to serve his friend, placing the medium-sized piece of fish on a plate, and he handed it across the table to his friend. And his friend said, Well, you certainly do have a lot of nerve. What's the matter? said the man. Well, look at what you've done. You've given me the smaller piece of fish and kept the bigger one for yourself. The man responded, Well, how would you have served the fish? The angry man said, Well, if I were serving the fish, I would have given you the bigger piece. Well, replied the man, I've got the bigger piece, don't I? You see, that's the way this rich man would have been that day. He wasn't just caught up in his success, he was caught up in his self. He would have rather filled empty barns than to fill empty stomachs. He was very blessed, but he had no interest in being a blessing. God tells us in Philippians that we're to look after other people. Chapter three verses or chapter two verses three and four, he says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking at your own interests, but each of you looking after the interests of others. 
And then remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 45. Truly I tell you, whoever did for one of these, the least of these my brothers or sisters, has done it unto me. Next we see that this rich man was foolish and that even though he planned ahead, he did not plan far enough ahead. This man took pride in the fact that now he had stored up enough grain for his future. In fact, he even said to himself here in these verses, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. This man was ready. He was ready to sit back and take it easy. He was now on easy street. He knew that his future was secure. He had done the calculations, and he had plenty of good things laid up for many of years. His future was set and secure. He had thought ahead, but not far enough ahead, because he had not thought about his eternity. You see, this rich man was successful, a farmer, and he felt that he had thought of everything. But in his planning, he had failed to think about the thing that was most important. He had failed to think about God. Never did he consider God. He never sought God's advice. He never followed God's commands. He lived a life as if God did not exist. He never approached God. He never spoke to God, but God did speak to him. And God came to him and called him a fool because though he was successful in the eyes of the world, he was not successful in the eyes of God. He was rich according to worldly goods, but he was not rich toward God. There are many people today who are just like this man. The eye, in the eyes of the world, they seem to have it all. They're very successful. They're very fortunate. And they can, or maybe have, saved up enough to where they can be prepared for many years of eating, drinking, and pleasure. But they're not successful in the eyes of God. You see, God does have a plan for success. And in God's plan for success, he wants all of us to be successful according to his plan. And one place that we can find his plan for success is in the book of Joshua. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to take just a, a brief minute to look at God's plan for success. It'll be on the screen as well. As I mentioned earlier, when we started this series, Brother Kevin led us through Deuteronomy chapter 6, where the people of Israel were getting ready to go into the promised land. And Deuteronomy is God's words to the people. But in Joshua chapter 1, we see God's words to Joshua at that very same time as they prepare to go into the land of Canaan. Follow along with me, verse 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, 
As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river of the Euphrates, all of the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all of the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because when you lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have success wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So how are we successful in God's eyes? The first thing that we see is that we need to be strong and courageous in following God's plan for our life. God was calling Joshua to be strong and courageous in following God's plan for Joshua. What was God's plan? To lead the people of Israel into the promised land. His task was not going to be easy. He would meet opposition from the enemy. The task would take time. In fact, in Joshua's case, it took up till the end of his life as the people were still securing parts of the promised land. Now, I don't know the specific task that God has called you to, but I know this, that God has called all of us to follow him wherever he leads. And he will lead us individually. If we seek his guidance, he will show us his will for our lives. But generally, however, he's called us to follow him, to be about his business, living the life of a Christian, to be a reflection of who he is and what he's done in our lives. Living a Christian life is not easy. In fact, we're supposed to be in it for the long haul. Christian life is not a sprint. It is a marathon until God calls us home. And like the task that God had called Joshua to, we must be strong and courageous. We must be willing to stand for our beliefs. We have an enemy too. His name is Satan. He does not want us to be successful. In fact, Scripture tells us that Satan comes like a thief to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan wants to keep us from being successful and being productive in the kingdom of God. Therefore, we too must be strong and courageous as we seek to live our lives for Christ. The second thing we see here in being successful God's way is God tells Joshua to follow his word, not to veer from the left or to the right, not to go left or right of what God has to say, but God's word for Joshua was the law of Moses. Now, we're fortunate. Because God's given us more than Joshua had. God's given us all of the Old Testament and all of the New Testament. And in God's word, he shows us how we're to live for him. And it will be for us as it was promised to Joshua. If we will follow God's word, we will be successful. 
And I want to share an example with you this morning, a practical idea. But I need to, for you to agree with me on one thing, and that is to follow God's word means that we encounter God. That if we seek God's word and we follow God's word, we will encounter him. Following his word is living the way that pleases him. So this morning, if I were to say that this center line right here in front of me and out the doors at the front of the building is, is following God's word, and as I follow that word, I encounter God. In order for me to follow that word this morning, I would have to move this lectern, and I would have to jump off this stage, and this morning I would have to walk across a number of chairs to follow God's word. But if I decided that that was too difficult, and I did not want to do that, and I decided, well, I could go to my left or I could go to my right, and I decided it was easier to go down these steps, where does that put me in reference to God's word? Am I close to God's word and following him? Or am I farther away from God's word and following him? Well, I'm certainly farther away. And if I were just to veer a little and keep that direction, I would get farther and farther away from God's word and in following him. The only way then to get back to God's word would be a course correction and making sure that I wanted to get back to where he wanted to be. To be. You see, to be successful in God's eyes is to follow his word. The third and last thing that we see here, that God tells Joshua, do not let my word depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. By this, he means don't just read my word, know my word, study my word, dwell on my word, teach my word. These verses tell us that what God will do with those who do these things. They will be successful. In recent months, the news in our country has been with, filled with all sorts of evil and suffering. You can name anything you want. It could be corrupt and immoral politicians. It could be racial hatred. It could be the increase of drug addiction. It could be the taking of innocent lives through abortion and shootings. All of these things come back to one common denominator. That is that we as a nation have turned away from the word of God. We have stepped away. Now it didn't happen suddenly. It happened by merely veering away a little bit at a time and not correcting our course. And now as a nation, we have found ourselves far away from God, far away from where he wants us to be. We have let the word of God depart from our mouths. As a nation, we've not studied it, we've not read it, we've not dwelt on it, and we have not taught it. And therefore, we find ourselves in difficulty. Why are our streets and schools not safe? Why are the lives of innocent babies being taken? 
Why is there such hatred and animosity in our country? Why are there no great strides in ending disease and hunger? Why do people not appreciate the freedom that we've been given in this nation? It's because as a nation that boasts an American dream, we're living by the world's definition of success and not God's definition of success. We're living lives of foolish decisions and not by the word of God. In order to be successful, we're going to have to make a course correction and get back to the word of God. I want you to notice something in this passage that I read when God was calling Joshua to be strong and courageous. God did not tell him anything about battle plans. God did not tell him anything about the size of the army that he needed. Why? Because God was going to take care of all of that. You see what God told Joshua, you need to be successful. And the way that you will be successful is if you follow my word. Today, the 2018 Winter Olympics will close with the women's hockey team having won the gold medal. Now, there have been a number of professing Christians representing our country at the Olympics. But one of them is Gigi Marvin of the women's hockey team. She was already a two-time silver medal winner with the hockey team in 2010 and 2014. And now, as a gold medalist. But she shared these words before this year's competition. I know my worth, she said, and I'd like to use the word success there. I know my success is not found in what I can achieve in this game. Instead, my identity and value is only found in Christ. And she went on to say, my mission is more than winning another medal or another championship. She said, it's about sharing Christ and leading others to Him. You see, unlike the rich man in today's parable, G.G. Marvin understood and understands that real success is found in following God. The question today is, do we, do you, do I, do we understand that success comes from following God? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you bestow upon us much good. But Father, help us today to consider from where our success comes. Father, there may be one here today who does not know you as Lord and Savior and therefore cannot be successful at all because they do not know you. They've not sought after you like the rich man in this parable have not considered you. I pray that today 
they might give their heart and life to you. Father, there are other decisions that might need to be made today, and certainly each of us need to ask ourselves this question. Do we need and do we realize, we realize where success comes from? Do we need to make a course correction in our lives to get back on track with your word? Father, whatever decisions might need to be made today, we leave it in your hands and ask that you would speak to our hearts and that we might respond as you would want us to respond. For it's in Christ's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. I don't know what your decision might be today. Maybe it's a decision where you are to get more in line with God's word and following him. It may be that you're not a Christian. Today God's spoken to you and you want to give your heart and life to Christ. I invite you to come. Maybe to take a stand for Christ at birthday time. Maybe to join this church and be a part of this body. Whatever it might be, we give you this opportunity as we sing. You come. And we'll welcome you. Let's stand together.